has everything in his control. Amen. Amen. Let's all stand together. Turn to page number 182. Page 182 this morning. He lives today. Amen. We do not serve a dead God because he lives. I can face tomorrow. God saved his
start this morning. What a blessing this morning. Boy, I'm telling you, it helps to get an extra hour of sleep, amen, and uh, what a glory, hallelujah, but sure glad you're here uh, this morning and want to welcome you to our morning uh, services here at Faith Baptist Church. Let's go to the Lord uh, in prayer this morning. We certainly need our great God to meet with us, amen, and so let's pray uh, this morning. I'm going to ask Brother Will Kennedy if you would open us in prayer, brother. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning? You know, sometimes I do this and sometimes I don't. It just depends on uh, how the Lord leads. But I just wanted to read this to you this morning. This actually wasn't in my Bible reading, but it certainly has been on my heart uh, as of late. But in Matthew 24 and verse number 3, and I just want to remind you, this has nothing to do with the rapture of the saints, but everything to do with the tribulation period. But it says this, And as he sat upon the Mount of Olives, the disciples came unto him privately, saying, Tell us, when shall these things be, and what shall be the sign of thy coming and of the end of the world? And Jesus answered and said unto them, Take heed that no man deceive you. For many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. And ye shall hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass, but the end is not yet. For nations shall rise up against nation and kingdom against kingdom. And there shall be famines and pestilences and earthquakes in diverse places. These are the beginning of sorrows. And by the way, you read Revelation chapter number 6. And it goes right along with this. But then I want you to listen to this. It says this in verse number 9. Then shall they deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you. And ye shall be hated of all nations for my name's sake. Now you got to understand this. The tribulation has a lot to do with Israel. Has a lot to do with the Jewish people that have rejected Christ as the Messiah. And so that's exactly who he's talking to right here. Now here's why this has been on my heart. I don't think there has ever been a time where I have pulled up the media and saw so much hatred being expressed for the Jewish people. It amazes me the stuff that is going on at the White House and the stuff that is going on in Washington. What also amazes me is why they don't call that insurrection like they call other stuff insurrection. But you understand how wicked and how evil that is. And I, just let me, let me lay it out to you real clear right now. And I'll just go ahead and start a war right now. We stand with Israel. We stand with God's people. You understand that land belongs to God's people because God said so. But here's why I'm saying this to you this morning. Because if you don't think we are close, I'm just telling you, we are very close. That This is everything that's going on right now that is all a shadow of what is to come. And so I'm just saying to you, even so, come quickly, Lord Jesus. But you and I better make sure that we know Christ is our Savior uh, this morning. Anyways, I don't know why we're preaching, but we're preaching. Amen. So uh, just I've said all that to say this. We're having our, our hayride and outreach Friday, but then again, we may not be here to have it. <laughs> Amen. So did want to announce that. Amen. Son, I'm, tell, I'm wound up this morning. <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Page 186. I'm thankful he lives this morning. Amen. Page 186. Let's all stand together again. Page 186. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Sing it out on the first. 
If you need it, we're going to pick up on that chorus. Page 325, sing it out with me now. Say by his power divine, say to new life sublime, life now is sweet and my joy is complete, for I'm saved, saved, saved on the last when poor and needy and all alone in love he said to me come on to me and I'll lead you home to live with me eternally saved by his power divine saved sublime life now is sweet and my joy is complete for I'm saved 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 amen 
Amen. Brother Tim, come right ahead. As men come forward for the offering, I'd like to read to you from John chapter 4. It says in verse 21, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, believe me, the hour cometh when ye shall neither in this mountain nor yet at Jerusalem worship the Father. Ye worship ye know not what. We know what we worship, for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour cometh, and now is, when the true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and in truth. For the Father seeketh such to worship Him. God is a spirit, and they that worship Him must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Brother Raymond, would you pray for the offering this morning? You may be seated.
much, Mrs. Waters. Let's stand one last time. Turn to page 433. Page 433. It is well with my soul. I hope you can say that this morning. Page 433. Let's lift it up together. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When peace like a river attendeth my way. When sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot, thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. It is
Wonderful singing this morning. You may be seated. If it's not well with your soul, you need to be saved before you leave this morning. Amen. Praise the Lord. Just before the message, Mrs. Quinlan is going to come sing this morning. this morning. Well, it's good to be in God's house. Amen. And sure thankful that you're here uh, this morning. And of course, if you've uh, been here, uh, we've been preaching through the book of Romans on Sunday uh, morning, and we actually finished uh, last Sunday. And uh, so what a blessing and what a study uh, that was. I, I love the book of Romans. It's an incredible, incredibly deep uh, book. And so I have enjoyed uh, that, But this morning, uh, we are going to begin the Gospel of Luke. And uh, so if you would, take your Bibles and turn with me to the Gospel of Luke in chapter number 1. 
And let's all stand in, in honor of God's Word, if you're able uh, to stand this morning. Now, my son said this is the best gospel. I think it's because he was named after uh, Luke, amen, uh, because uh, I have three daughters and I have one son, and so I named him after what Paul said about this Luke. He said, only Luke is with me now. So it's just me and him against all the girls, amen. We even had to get a couple of male dogs to even out the numbers, right? Uh, but uh, what a blessing uh, this morning. But this is, what I, this, is what I, this is what I put down in my notes. If you were here for last week, we finished up the book of Romans. We saw what's called the doxology, how Paul ends a lot of his epistles. But this morning we go from the doxology of Romans to the dedication that begins the gospel of Luke. And in fact, if you look at the end of the book of Romans, it tells us that Lucius was with the apostle Paul. That was most likely Luke here, the writer of this gospel that we're now, be going, to, uh, now going to begin studying. So Luke chapter 1, verse number 1. The Bible says this, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us, even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word, it seemed good to me also having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know, listen to this, the certainty of those things. You know what that means? That means what he's about to write about, they actually happen. This is actually true. So the certainty of those things, wherein thou hast been, uh, instructed. All right, and we're going to stop there. Now, here, now, there's a lot of people already going, wait a minute, this is just the introduction. Yep, and it would be very easy to skip over this and to move right into the birth announcement of, of Gabriel to Zacharias about John the Baptist. But you got to understand, doing so, we would, we would forfeit not seeing some very noteworthy things right here. In fact, what I would say to you is this. There is, there is validation right here that Luke's gospel, it is credible. It is the Word of God. But not only that, but we're going to see the purpose or the intention of it. So, so you got to understand, this is the Word of God. All right? And Luke's gospel is going to focus on the humanity of Jesus Christ. In fact, this is the common title that you're going to see all throughout the book of Luke about Jesus Here's what he is, the Son of Man. In fact, I love the key verse of Luke in Luke chapter 19, and we're going to look at this later in verse number 10. Here's what it says. For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, now, here's, now here's the reason for all of this. It's so that when you see the title Son of Man, it makes it clear that those outside of Judaism, they can know that Jesus isn't just the Messiah of the Jews. He's also the Savior of the world. He's also the Savior of the world. He, listen, Jews and Gentiles, black or white or red, well, listen, doesn't matter. He is the Savior of all. And here's the thing. He is also accessible. God, God is now accessible through Jesus Christ. 
Yes, He is God manifest in the flesh, but praise God, He's the Son of Man that's come to seek and to save that which was lost. So, so here's the thing. This is what you got to grab a hold of. So it doesn't matter your race, your nationality, what language you speak, what culture you are brought up in, but watch this. It also doesn't matter what sin is in your life. Jesus can save you right where you're at. You know why? Because He's the Son of Man that's come to seek and to save that which was lost. So this is what I titled the message this morning, the Son of Man. And that's really the, and it's really just, it's an introduction into the gospel of Luke, but I think we're going to see some things this morning from this right here that I believe will be a blessing uh, to us. Now, if your stomach is like mine, that's already telling me it's lunchtime. Supposed to be an hour ahead, right? So, all right, so I'm very much aware of that, but hopefully you'll get past the shakes like I did You'll be ready this morning. Father, would you bless the preaching now in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated. Appreciate you standing in honor of God's Word. What a blessing this morning. I'm very excited about the Gospel of Luke. I love to study the ministry and the messages of the Lord Jesus Christ. They are just a, a blessing. When we, uh, when we went to Italy uh, back in uh, late August and, and into early uh, September, we actually uh, planned on spending a couple of days in Rome before we uh, got on the Mediterranean cruise that, that we uh, took. And as we were heading there, I was actually, uh, Brother Don Katanik was telling me about, uh, telling us about this restaurant that's in Rome uh, that we needed to go and, and check out. And so if you know anything about that trip, you know my wife was all about the history, but I was all about the food. I like some of the history too, but I mostly like the food. Amen. I remember going back, coming back into the States and that lady, the lady there at the, 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 the whatever it is, the D, uh, TSA or whatever, she was asking, you know, if we spent, you know, and we brought back. I said, no, I ate most of what I spent. Amen. And, uh, but anyway, she was telling us about this restaurant. And so it was called, it was called Alfredo Alla Scrappa. And so it's, the, it's actually the birthplace of Alfredo, which is basically uh, noodles in, in this cheese sauce. And it's pretty interesting. It started, it started back in 1914, and the guy that started the restaurant made this Alfredo for his wife uh, when she got sick during her pregnancy. It kind of tells you the story of, of everything there on their website, and, and they even tell you the story in the restaurant as they're making the dish for you and all of that. But the idea was that she liked the dish so much that she had her husband add it uh, to the menu. So then what happened was this, is that after World War II and all of this stuff, well, uh, Americans begin to come over into uh, Italy for tourism. And so there was this Hollywood couple that came over on their honeymoon into the city of Rome, and they tried the Alfredo out, and they liked it so much that they went back and they told, they told all of their Hollywood pals about this restaurant. And so the next thing you know, all of these, all of these stars were coming uh, to the restaurant and they, they made it uh, extremely uh, uh, popular. We, we were sitting at a table and, and the picture right above us was Gary Cooper. And, and I, I like Gary, you know, I like some of his uh, Western movies and, and things like that. There was an autographed uh, photo of Walt Disney. I thought that was pretty cool. 
Uh, and there, there were pictures all over the place. I mean, all around the room. We were sitting there and we were asking people who that was and what, you know, and if they, you know, and there was a lot of younger people there and they were like, we don't know. And I was like, well, I know who that is. You know, anyways. And, uh, but they, the people, if I mentioned names, you would know who, who they were. And so what I'm trying to get across to you is this. It was obviously a very fancy place. And so we had to make reservations. And when you made reservations, you, there was all these rules that, that you had to follow. And so, you, you know, you could only be in there a certain amount of time, then you had to get out. We didn't, we were like, oh man, you got this is serious stuff. And then when we got there, we, you know, there was a line outside of the restaurant that went all the way down the street. And we were like, oh my, we're never going to eat at this place. But we had reservations. So we got in the short line and walked right in, right into the restaurant. And I'm wearing a, I'm wearing a sports coat. In a dress shirt and dress pants, I'm nervous, man. I, I don't. This is not. You understand? I'm like a fish out of water, because I'm like, give me somewhere where everybody's wearing boots and jeans and a t-shirt. You understand? So I'm nervous and I'm feeling way out of place and I'm looking at all these pictures and I'm like, this is unreal. And I, man, and I, I'm, I am. I'm nervous and I'm thinking, you know, don't do something dumb or say something foolish and mess it all up for your wife. And then so I'm sitting there, and we're sitting at our little table there, and we, we started ordering and stuff like that. And then this, this other young couple comes, and they sit right on the table next to us. And she sits down, and she's waiting on her and she speaks English. Thank you, Lord. But then her husband comes in, and he's late, and he comes in, and he's wearing like cargo shorts and a T-shirt and a ball cap. And immediately, immediately all of my nerves just went out because I thought if anybody's going to get in trouble, it's going to be this guy. <laughs> and he, listen, these are my people. And I, all of a sudden I was just incredibly comfortable and I was fine after that. What, what I'm trying to get across to you is this, is that a place where I felt uncomfortable, maybe I could say it like this, maybe a little uh, unwelcomed, I now felt at ease. There was somebody that I could relate to. My people were here. You understand what I'm saying? And what I'm trying to illustrate to you is this, is that that is exactly what the gospel of Luke does for us. Is that where people may feel like they are left out, or where they may feel unwelcome, listen to this, or where they may feel like they are of no value to God, Luke's gospel comes in and declares, no, that is not the case. You are exactly why Jesus Christ came into the world. It is to seek and to save that which was lost. Whether you are a Jew or whether you are a Gentile. That is what Luke's gospel does. Now, please do not misunderstand this. All right, don't, don't put words into my mouth or anything like that. This is not a license for us to continue in sin. Somebody say amen this morning. No, He wants to save you, praise God, and not leave you where you're at. No, He wants to save you and then to pull you up out of the miry clay and set you upon the solid rock of Himself. Why? So that you can go forth and live unto Him and give Him honor and glory. Have victory over your sin. In fact, that, that is exactly the context of the theme verse. I want you to take your Bibles and hold your place there in Luke and go with me to Luke chapter number 19. The Gospel of Luke in, in chapter number 19. And I'm, I'm not going to go down through here and, and cover a lot of this because in about two years we'll be here. 
Actually, it'll probably be about three, amen. So the rapture may take place before we finish the Gospel of Luke, amen. But Luke chapter number 19. Now, if you know anything about, you know, children's stories and things like that, Zacchaeus, and he was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. All right, well, that's this story right here in in chapter 19 and verse number 1. And and so it begins to tell us about uh, a man in verse number 2 named Zacchaeus. Now, Now notice what it says about him. It says there was a man named Zacchaeus in in verse number 2, which was the chief among the publicans, and and he was rich. And so you got to understand this. A publican was a Jewish tax collector for the Roman Empire. So that means this. He was considered a traitor by his people. He was looked down upon by his people. But not only that, but it says this. He was rich, and what you find out as you read through the story is the reason he was rich is because he was cheating his own people for money. All right? In fact, as Jesus goes into the house of Zacchaeus in verse number 7, it says this, that they all murmured, saying that he was gone to be the guest, to be guest with a man, listen to this, that is a sinner. He went into the house of Zacchaeus, a man that was a sinner. But this is the response of Zacchaeus in verse number 8. And Zacchaeus stood and said unto the Lord, Behold, Lord, the half of my goods I give to the poor, and if I have taken anything from any man by false accusation, I restore him fourfold. Now you know what that is? That's called repentance. That's called repentance because repentance, listen, and because of his repentance and his faith in Jesus Christ, here's what Jesus says, about him in verse number 9. And Jesus said unto him, This day is salvation come to this house, for as much as he also is a son of Abraham. Listen to this. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So yes, the Son of Man went into the house of Zacchaeus. But he also didn't leave Zacchaeus the same. You understand what I'm saying? And, and, and so, you, you listen, that is, I'm telling you, that is the common theme throughout all of the Gospel of Luke, where mankind, where mankind is viewed of no value by other people and, 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 and by mankind, by other men. I'm telling you, God loves man and wants man to be saved. And that is why the Son of Man came. Now, let's go back here, and I want you to, be, I want to point out some things to you here about Luke's gospel. Let's go back to Luke chapter number 1 and verse number 1. See, this, this is what I would call, this is what I would call as, as Luke starts his gospel here, this is what I would call Luke's acknowledgement. Look, at, look down at verse number 1. It says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which are most surely believed among us. Now, I want you to think about this. He, and, and he goes on down and talks about it a little more in verse number 2. Let's read that as well. Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. In verse number 1, I, I believe this. I believe what Luke is referring to here is the other gospels that record the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what he's talking about right there. Um, now, now it is believed that, that Luke's gospel was written around 60 A.D., so it's most likely that he only had Matthew's gospel and Mark's gospel 
uh, those were the ones that were recorded at this time. John's gospel would come later. But, But Luke acknowledges these right here. And he also says this. He says that they most surely, listen to this, they most surely believe those things. See, listen, each gospel, though it is the Word of God, you understand this, it's unique in and of itself. Every gospel, they portray the Savior in different lights and often from a different perspective or for a different audience. Well, what I'm saying to you is this, is that Luke's gospel is going to do that as well. In fact, let me give you these things. If you're a note taker, you might want to write some of these things down about the other Gospels. Did you know this? That Matthew's Gospel, listen to this, Matthew's Gospel is like a portrait. It is stately and regal. It presents Christ as the King. He's the rightful heir to the throne of David. It declares His sovereignty. And the reason for all of this is because Matthew was written to the Jews showing them that Jesus is the Messiah. Did you ever notice something about Matthew's gospel? It always, after something that Jesus did or said, it says, as it is written, or as it is written, thus it is written. He's quoting Old Testament to show the Jews that Jesus fulfilled the law and the prophets. He truly is the Messiah. But, but then you get to Mark's gospel, and many of us know this, Mark's gospel is the shortest. It's like a fast-moving video. It presents Christ as the servant. It declares His ministry. And again, that's because it was written to the Romans to show them that Christ came for them as well. John's gospel is like a photographic study. Pictures with a purpose. It presents Christ as God. Because He is God. Declaring His deity. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And we beheld His glory. The Word was made manifest and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory. The glory is of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so you understand that, listen, that, that, that is John's gospel. It was, listen to this, it was written to the world, showing that Jesus is God, and that God so loved the world. That He gave His only begotten Son. So that the world through Him might be saved. You understand? I'm just trying to listen. I love, now, now here's the thing. You, you talk about cults like the Jehovah Witnesses. They don't like the Gospel of John. I love the Gospel of John. Because it declares Christ to be God. But then comes Luke's Gospel. Luke's Gospel is like a scrapbook. Got any scrapbookers in the house? So you understand, when you do a scrapbook... It's a picture, listen to this, it's pictures of his life with a personal touch. It presents Christ as the Son of Man, as man declaring his humanity. Some believe that Luke, the writer of the gospel, the human author, was a Gentile. Others, and and I myself lean towards the idea that Luke was a Hellenistic Jew. That means this, though he was a Jew... He grew up in Greek culture. All right, but regardless, listen to this, regardless of who Luke is, his audience, we know this, was the Greeks. He wanted them to know that regardless of where they were at, listen to this, the Son of Man is truly the Savior 
who can redeem them and forgive them of their sin. Now, let me tell you why all this is important. I'm not just giving you notes here so that we can just go, wow, that was great, and walk out here with our great knowledge. Let me tell you why this is important. It is because the Greek culture was full of idolatry. You understand, a lot of Roman mythology came from Greek mythology. It's all idolatrous. And, and you understand this, where, where there is idolatry, it leads them into great immorality and wickedness. Now stay with me, come on, stay with me. Because you see, yet Luke wanted them to know that just as Jesus Christ came for the religious Jew, He also came for the carnal Greek. He also came, listen, and regardless of who they were or where they were at spiritually, listen to this, the Son of Man could save them and change their life. That's why He came. Can I say to you this morning, the message of Luke's gospel is needed today. I don't know if you've realized this or not, but our culture is full of idolatry. It is full of idolatry. Well, preacher, I mean, we don't make out those little carved images and believe in these false gods of mythology and things like that. Yeah, but we'll sure worship science. And we'll sure worship sports teams. And we'll sure worship jobs and money and material things. Is everybody getting this? And those are the things that we live for. We'll sure worship ourselves. And we become our own God. Now watch this. And just like the Greeks, where there is idolatry, guess what? What follows is immorality and wickedness. Folks, it is of no coincidence that as generations passed in America, turned away from the Bible and turned away from the things of God and banned the things of God from government and banned the things of God out of the public schools. And watch this. We now have a generation on our hands that is steeped in idolatry and is also steeped in immorality and wickedness. It is of no coincidence. It is exactly like Romans chapter 1 tells us that when man begins to worship the creation instead of the Creator, he is going on a downward spiral in wickedness and immorality. Man is not, well, you know, preacher, we're evolving. We're not evolving, we're devolving. We're going down the tubes in our own wickedness and in our sin. And man, listen, our culture needs to be reminded, listen to this, there is a God in heaven, and we are not it. And they also need to be reminded of this, that that same God is accessible unto them. And that He loves them and He wants them to be saved. And because of that, He sent the Son of Man to seek and to save that which was lost. But I want you to also notice this, child of God. Look at what Luke says at the end of verse number 1. It says, For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things, listen to this, which are most surely believed among us. You know, you, you, you understand? They were believed among them. Guess what? They ought to be believed among us. We ought to believe, listen, and I'm just saying, they ought to be believed. Jesus, Jesus is the Messiah to the Jews. Well, somebody say amen this morning. No, he, he is. <laughs> he's the rightful heir to the throne of David. Well, come on, friend. One day he's coming back and he's going to set up his throne. And we shall reign with him. Somebody say amen. Be, be a fact, he's going to come back. He's going to set up his throne in Jerusalem. 
He's going to rule and reign with a rod of iron. He is the servant who came and gave himself a ransom for many, just like Mark's gospel shows us. He is God manifested in the flesh. We believe all those things about Matthew and Mark and John. But we also better believe this, that Jesus is the Son of Man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. Why? So, because here's why. So that just as Luke wanted to see his people reach with the gospel, listen to this, we can see our people reach with the gospel. Listen, please, please listen to this. I'm telling you, people aren't going to come into the house of God like they used to come into the house of God. They're going to come in with all kinds of stuff. They're going to come in all kinds of different ways. They're going to come in covered in tattoos. They're going to come in with all kinds of strange piercings. They're going to come in, listen to this, they're going to come in with all kinds of wickedness and sin. They're going to come in addicted to alcohol. They're going to come in addicted to meth. They're going to come in addicted to pills. They're going to come in with, with wrecked lives. They're going to come in with broken homes, with divorce. Come on, friend, I'm just telling you, the, the list could go on and on and on and on. And what they need to see and what they need to be witness of is that there is a people in Faith Baptist Church that still believes these things. Amen. That the Son of Man came to seek and to save that which was lost. Amen. And that they can be forgiven. And that they can have salvation just like we've been saved. You know what they need? No, no, no. And I realize we're doing some of those things. I love hearing the testimony of people saying, man, it feels like home here. Man, it feels like family here. Man, I feel welcomed here. Good. That's the way it ought to be. But that's the way people need to be. When they come in here into the into Faith Baptist Church, they need to feel like people love them. They need to have somebody shake their hand, smile at them, welcome them, put their arm around them, sit with them, show them the Word of God. Listen, show them that we believe these things. They need to see that. Because I'm telling you, friend, listen, I'm, listen. had it not been for the grace of God, there go I. And I'm so thankful I walked into Victory Bible Baptist Church in Pensacola, Florida, and then people didn't look at me with their, with down their nose and just go, I can't believe you're here. But they received me in and loved on me and prayed for me, and I got saved. Amen. And God changed my life. Amen. And now I'm in Kansas. Amen. And it's cold. <laughs> Not, yet. Not yet. It's cold for a Floridian. I'm telling you that. It's a bummer when you've got to take your swimming pool down, I'm telling you. There's a lot of weeping and wailing and gnashing. But you know, that's what God did in my life. All because, all because I saw people that said, they, they believe these things. We need to do the same. Luke said, we believe these things. Hey, listen, He's everything. He's everything that the Scriptures declare that He is. He is God manifested in the flesh. He is the servant that came to die for us. He is the Messiah to the Jews. But praise God, He's the Son of Man that came to seek and to save that which was lost. Now, let me tell you the second thing here. See, you didn't think there was any preaching here, but there'd be, they be some in there. Look at verse number 2. Because now we begin to see Luke's accreditation. He says, Even as they delivered them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the Word, it seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very beginning, or from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. Listen, if anyone is go who is going to record 
a historical account, especially one as important as this one, they better offer up their credentials if their account is going to be received. I think we should actually ask that in our day and time. Because it seems like everybody believes everything on the internet. Where did you hear that from? Uh, Exactly. All right, that was pastoral advice. I better move on. Now look at, again, look at verse number two. He says, even as they deliver them unto us, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word. So here he's still speaking of the other gospels, Matthew, Mark, and, and, and John. And Matthew and John were both apostles who had, who had a firsthand account with the life and ministry of the Savior. They witnessed, listen to this, they, they witnessed his death and his burial and his resurrection. Now that, that is why, listen to this, that, that is what the title and office of apostle means. That's what it means. He's a witness. A witness of what? The death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. According to Acts chapter number 1, that was a qualification to be an apostle. I, I just, I'm bringing that out. I, I saw something on social media this past week where there was a Baptist preacher that stood up and, and, and preached against all these apostles and prophets and all this all other nonsense. And man, the attacks he got on social media. And I'm sitting there think, I'm thinking, this, this guy's exactly right. And none of these, peop- these people are so ignorant to this stuff in our day and time. But that was, that, was, that, that was Matthew and John. They were eyewitnesses of everything that Jesus said and did in his life, including his death, burial, and resurrection. Now Mark, Mark was not, though not among the twelve, also had a first-hand account. And the reason I say that is because in the Scriptures, he was the nephew of Barnabas, uh, that was in Jerusalem, he, and Barnabas was a prominent figure in the book of Acts. And, 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 and by the way, Luke wrote the book of Acts as well. And so, so Mark was around during the life and the times of the Lord Jesus. And so, but go down to verse number 3 here, and it says, It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. So, so here Luke does give his own credentials. He says this, that he too had, listen to this, perfect understanding of all things from the very first. Now listen, as we're going to go through here, you're going to see that, that, that that's exactly right. That's, that's true. In fact, Luke's gospel gives far more insight and detail in the events surrounding the birth of the Savior than any of the other Gospels do. He gives the birth announcement of John the Baptist, the birth announcement of Jesus, and, and, and certainly the birth of, 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 of the Savior, the announcement to the shepherds, the circumcision and the prophecies of Simeon and Anna. All of these things are in the Gospel of Luke that aren't in the other Gospels. But there are two things about this you and I need to understand about Luke's credentials, and I want you to get these. Number one is this, okay? You listen to this? Though Luke was not an apostle, he follows the pattern of all other writers of the Bible. Now, here's the pattern. You ready? Here's the pattern. Holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. That's 2 Peter 1.21. You understand that ultimately Luke's not the author. 
He's the author. And that God would take Luke and use him to pin down the Word of God. See, not, not much is revealed about Luke within the Scriptures. The Apostle Paul calls him the beloved physician in Colossians 4.14. So we do know this, that he was a doctor, an educated man within the Greek and Roman culture of the day. He comes subtly on the scene in Paul's ministry in Acts chapter 16. When Paul was at Troas, he received the Macedonian call. And, and the pronouns change in verse number 10 from they to we, showing that the writer of the book of Acts, who is Luke, had now joined the ministry of Paul and Silas and Timothy on the second missionary journey. The point is, like Mark, Luke was also around in those days. He was saved, he was involved in ministry, and no doubt the Holy Ghost of God would give Luke this perfect understanding to use him to pen this gospel, which is an accurate recording of the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now let me give you the second thing. You ready? Because this is where the rubber meets the road. Luke also, listen to this, Luke also had a personal understanding that the Son of Man could save anyone who came to Him. You ever think about that? As already mentioned, Luke was in the ministry with the Apostle Paul. You know, what's about the, you know what Paul says about himself that we saw in the book of Romans? He's the Apostle to the Gentiles. Paul would be in the city of Troas, which is on the coast of Turkey, modern-day Turkey. He would get the Macedonian call. Paul would be there. Luke would be there. Silas would be there. Timothy would be there. Paul would answer the call. They'd get on a boat and sail across the Aegean Sea into what is modern-day Greece. Luke, a Greek. And they would go into, they would go into Philippi, Thessalonica, Berea, down into the regions of Achaia. And, and, and Luke would witness all of this. All of this preaching, all of these Gentile people getting saved. Is anybody catching this? And understanding that, hey, the Son of Man, He did come to seek and to save that which was lost. And He's not just for the Jews. And He's not just a people for, with a people with an understanding that God, and, you know, and, and, and that He's manifested in the flesh. And then not just, listen, all, no, 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 no. He came for these people too. Amen. Listen. He saw, he saw the Philippian jailer. He saw the Philippian jailer, a guy who had an anger problem that was full of pride and wrath. He saw him. Listen, he saw him. He saw him get saved. He writes it down where the Philippian jailer comes in on his knees saying, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? He saw the Philippian jailer take Paul and Silas back to the, his house and dress their wounds. And his wife and kids are going, Dad, what are you doing home here early? Well, let me tell you. No, wait a minute. You guys tell them. He saw the change. He saw all of that. He saw those in Thessalonica. Listen to this. He saw them. He saw them. What Paul would say about them. Turn from their idols and unto the living God. He saw all of that. He saw, listen, he saw those. He, listen to this. He saw those in Corinth. Oh, Listen. Those in Corinth who, who, were, who were fornicators and adulterers, effeminate. 
abusers of themselves, with mankind, thieves, drunkards. But this is what Paul said of them in 1 Corinthians 6, 11. And such were some of you. But, but, but ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. But ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. You know what he's saying? He's saying, ha, you got what the Son of Man came for. You got saved. You got forgiven of your sin. And what I'm saying to you is this. You know what we need in our day and time? More testimonies like that. You know, people almost act like people in the Bible, they were perfect people. They weren't perfect people. They were people, they were real people with real baggage and real sin, just like you and me. But they humbled themselves and they came to Jesus Christ and they let Him do a work in and through Him, through them. And guess what? He can still do the same today. He can still save, he can still save somebody that has all kinds of baggage and sin. Come on, friend. He can still forgive you and give you eternal life. Come on, listen. He can give you the strength to get victory over your addictions and your battles. He can, listen to this, He can restore a home. He can restore a marriage. He can bring back a, listen, He can save a father or a mother, a wayward child. He's the Son of Man. He's the Son of Man who was willing to go into the home of Zacchaeus. Friend, listen to me. He's willing to go into your home and into your life if you'll open up your heart and let Him. And Luke saw all of that happen. And what I'm saying to you is this. It can still happen today. Nothing's changed about who He is in 2023. Nothing's changed about who He is. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. So that means just as much as He was the Son of Man back then, He's just as much the Son of Man right now. Now let me give you the last thing, and I'm through. Look, at, look, at, look, at, look back at Luke chapter number 1 with me, and look at verses 3 and 4. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things, in verse 3, from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus, that thou mightest know the certainty of those things, wherein thou hast been instructed. What I think, you, I, at least what I see right here is this, Luke's aim. It's what he's shooting for. It's the purpose. At the end of verse 3, we see to whom the gospel was addressed to, the most excellent Theophilus. His name literally means this, friend of God. He would also be the recipient of the book of Acts as well. But in verse number 4, the purpose of Luke's gospel is made known. Look at what it says. It says that thou mightest know. The certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. Theophilus, I want you to know for sure. I don't want you to have any question or any doubt as to who Jesus is and what he can do. You, you know what? You, you, you understand now Theophilus, I believe Theophilus was a saved man, friend of God. And so, well, here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking this. We need that same, we need that same certainty. We, we need to know who He is, but also what He can do. That He is the Son of Man who can seek and save that which is lost and can redeem them. 
I, I don't know about you. But, but I know for me that the more that we separate from this world, and, and we should, we, we should. It's a wicked, wicked world. And, and God's people aren't called to live that way. But, but I know this, and I want you to listen. I'm just, just being honest with you and transparent, whatever, whatever you want to call it. I know this. In my life, it's very easy to separate from the world and then for, the, for my separation to be the emphasis in my life rather than my walk with God. And as I do, I begin to develop this very pharisaical spirit and this very pharisaical attitude towards the people in this world. I'm just, now you, hopefully you're more spiritual than me, but I'd venture to say probably everybody in here battles with that. You separate from this world. I'm just telling you, you quit walking with God and, and, and spending time with God and humbling yourself before God. It's very easy to exalt yourself in your separation and to begin to look down at the world who doesn't even know God. And I believe what Luke is writing here is to say this to God's people. You, you need to know who He is and you need to be reminded of who He is and why He came. So that we don't get to that place, or if we're there, we don't stay at that place. But rather we are constantly reminded that He's the Son of Man who came to seek and to save that which was lost. And that we have no right and we have no business looking down our noses at those who do not know God. Because had it not been for the grace and goodness and mercy of God, that'd be where we're at. And so rather than doing that, we need to be consistently reminded that who, uh, who He is and why He came. Why? So that we can tell them why He came and they can be saved just like we are. But I think for those that might be here this morning, and there's never really been a time and place where you've humbled yourself and put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. You, you need to know of a certainty of these things. He came for you. What is that a woodpecker? He's on the wrong plane. But you understand, that's why he came. It's just like the devil to show up, right? That's why he came. Listen, if you're here this morning and you're lost, hang on just a minute. Ah! Should have had my shotgun with bird shot. the fowls of the air <laughs> they are the devil where was I let's start all over again take your Bibles turn no 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 listen if there's never been a time and place where you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ you need to know of a certainty of these things listen to me he came for you and I, I'm just telling you I've had people I've had people I've had people have this mindset that they have done something so bad that God can't save them. But I'm telling you, He can save you. Amen. I, I remember we had a lady in Cassville 
and, and she, was, she had come in, and I've told this story a multitude of times, but when she was a little girl, something bad had happened at the church that she was going to, and she said she had blasphemed God and said something you know, derogatory towards the church and the people of God and the man of God and the things of God. And somebody told her, said, because you blaspheme the Holy Ghost, you can't be saved. You can't be forgiven. And that, that, is, an, that, is, a, that is a misinterpretation of that passage. It's dealing with the Jews who were rejecting the conviction of the Spirit of God in their life. And she heard, she heard the gospel at our church. And she heard the gospel. And she heard the message, God can save to the uttermost. And we gave the invitation. And we played all four songs of Just As I Am. or I, can't, I think that's what it was. We played all four verses of it. And we, got, we were getting ready to wind the invitation down. We were stopping the piano playing. We were getting ready to close up. And she stepped out of the aisle, or stepped out of her pew and walked the aisle. And of course, my wife was playing the piano. I was like, get back up. You know, she started playing again. And, and we went down there. She said, I need to be saved. And she called on the Lord and got saved that morning. Amen. Amen. So I'm just telling you, listen, it doesn't matter who you are or what you've done. God's dealing with you this morning. You can be saved right where you're at. This is why He came. And you need to know that. Let's all stand this morning.